with several waves of this 2023 offseason having come and gone, some Dolphins fans are asking, where is the Dolphins' offense improved from last season? That is our exploration here today on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Miami. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is Cinco de Mayo, Friday, May 5th, 2023. How about them cats? The Florida Panthers up 2-0 over the Toronto Maple Leafs. In the second round of the NHL playoffs, we are absolutely dialed in there. Check out Locked On Panthers while you're at it, because it's your teams every day here on the Locked On Network. Uh, today on the show, we are exploring where exactly we feel the Dolphins' offense is better than it was at this point last year, slash how the team finished last year. And I think there's a couple tangible things that can be discussed here, things that are uh, visibly better, but then also a handful of things that are intangibly better, uh, things that maybe can't be measured, but when you factor in the human uh, human elements of the game of football are certainly very uh, important talking points and, and things that the Dolphins may end up reaping the rewards of when this 2023 season eventually plays out. At this point next week, we will have the NFL schedule by according or according to several reports as far as the schedule release. Sounds like that is going to happen next Thursday. So excited on Friday to dig through the schedule uh, game by game, kind of talk about what the Dolphins' hand was that was drawn to them. But in the meantime, our focus and attention is going to be spent on the roster that we currently have. So between the quarterback room, the supporting cast, and the offensive line, where is or is not the Dolphins team better than it was last year? That's the question. Let's start with the quarterback room. I think it is worth acknowledging right off the top that from an efficiency standpoint, I would not be surprised to see Tua Tonga-Valoa take a regression step backwards in his efficiency ratings as an NFL passer, because 9.2 adjusted net yards or adjusted yards per attempt is an astronomically good number. 6.3% of your pass attempts were touchdowns. That is an astronomically good number in the scale and reference of NFL quarterback play, especially when you play a full season's worth of, of games. So I don't say that to say Tua is going to have a worse year, especially if we see Tua Tungvaloa stay healthy and play through an entire season and take care of his body and, and protect himself from hits. But some of the feast or famine that comes with that kind of aggressive style of play and refusal to, to get the ball out of your hands quickly in favor of trying to make bigger plays happen, I think if we walk that tightrope a little bit better, the raw numbers for Tua will be better. But the efficiencies of over 6% of your touchdown, of your attempts were touchdown passes. And 
yards per attempt, 9.2 adjusted yards per attempt. Crazy good numbers. Now, they're, they're still going to be really good because the Dolphins have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, right? But for Tua Tungavaloa specifically, I do think that is worth acknowledging that I don't think the, the explosive pace and rate in which production was created last year, even the best of the best, even if you want to put Tua Tungavaloa in that conversation of the best of the best, right? There's ebbs and flows and there's sustainability and I don't necessarily think that uh, the rate in which Tua produced last year from an efficiency standpoint will be the pace that he puts on the field this year. But is that balanced with more responsible play and working in the same offensive system in consecutive years for the first time in, oh, I don't know, forever going to be meaningful? Because I would frame it to you like this. The Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, Tua was the starter for two seasons in the midst of that stretch. And they had Mike Loxley as the offensive coordinator for one of those seasons. And then they had an offensive coordinator change going into Tua's last year. And then Tua goes to the NFL. And he has Shane Gailey as rookie season as his offensive coordinator. And then year two as his offensive coordinator, he has Eric Studisville and George Gotze. And then in year three, He has Frank Smith slash Mike McDaniel, and you can count sophomore year of college, junior year of college, rookie season in the NFL, sophomore season in the NFL, junior season in the NFL. It's the first time in six years Tua Tungvaloa is going to have the same hierarchy and supporting cast of coaches and system around him. And say what you will about Nick Saban and Alabama and how they have their playbook and they bring in a new play caller and the play caller has to learn the Alabama system and call it with their own flair so it's technically not a different system. The 2018 version of Tua versus the 2019 version of Tua, they they played different offenses. They did. So having that consistency is something that I think will have a tangible benefit to Tungvaloa, especially early season, um, being able to hit the ground running and being in rhythm with your wide receivers. And the supporting cast in general, there's a lot of consistency. Even you go back through uh, from his rookie season, it was Gasecki and Devontae Parker, and then it was uh, Gasecki and Jalen Waddell, and then it was Gasecki or uh, Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddell, and now it's Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell again with better peripheral pieces around him, and we'll talk more about supporting cast here in a minute. The... General perception of building around the quarterback and and putting a quarterback in positions to be successful oftentimes is dialed into how consistent of a structure and infrastructure and cocoon can you put around the young quarterback. And lots of the success stories are players who had stability on the offensive side of the ball and consistency to level up their game as they were playing. And Tua Tungvaloa did not have that luxury in his first three seasons in the NFL. He will have that opportunity this season to lean into a comfortable zone that he intimately knows the offense and then further flesh out his game. Last year felt like it was the first time 
that you had an offensive play caller who, A, put weapons around him that mirrored what he had when he was successful at Alabama, and that's okay, right? That doesn't mean he's a lesser quarterback. It also is the first time that somebody really bought into his strengths and said this is what he is instead of let's try to onboard him and get him in the fray with this as the peripheral while trying to do something else and get him to learn how to do something else. It's why don't we just really major in what he majors in as a player. So I think that level of commitment to what he does well is an intangible component of the quarterback room that will be better. And then, of course, there's the backup situation. If you want to hold Teddy Bridgewater and his career accolades versus Mike White and his career accolades and say the Dolphins didn't get better with the quality of their backup quarterback, okay. But I would also then turn around and at least acknowledge that Mike White played in a similar system and has familiarity with the concepts. That seems to be, especially in the offensive side of the ball, right? Because the Dolphins had a scheme change defensively, and they tried to do this last year on the defensive side of the ball and incurred a bunch of injuries, and it had to change the DNA of how they played, and they didn't really do it very successfully. The scheme is all, right now, the scheme is all about you have the foundational pillars at quarterback and at wide receiver, and you have a player who can do it successfully at running back. How do you fill in the blanks so that it is a more balanced offense and having a backup quarterback in the event that he has to play that gives you the ability to do more of the same things that you would do with Tua because he understands the system and understands the concepts is a win. Now, I think you could toss a coin to say whether or not you actually think a backup quarterback position is better or not. And I wouldn't fight with you either way. One thing I would fight with you about is Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are the life hack that you didn't know you needed. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. They're absolutely, positively delicious. Right now, you can go to built.com, get yourself a box. You can go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, get yourself a four-bar box. You can go to Sam's Club, get yourself a 13-bar box, have one on the way home, and still have a dozen to get you through the rest of the day. And get yourself something that you can use as a meal replacement, grab-and-go, healthy snack, breakfast, post-workout, or if you just want something delicious. So go to Built.com, Walmart, Sam's Club. Pick yourself up a box of Built. The supporting cast for the Dolphins is one where if you're just going to look at the identity of the team, you say, well, Raheem Mostert touched the ball more than anybody else on the team. And then you had... Tyreek Hill, who touched the ball more than any other receiver on the team. And then you have Jalen Waddell as your other primary piece. And Jeff Wilson touched the ball 96 times, so the first four pieces are back. And you didn't really improve over any of those players. Like, I'm okay with that. Now, of course, there's a whole Dalvin Cook rumor mill and situation that sounds like might manifest and... You ran the running back room back. If Dalvin Cook comes, there's no question the running back room is better than it was last year, right? Dalvin Cook would be the most accomplished, most talented player in the running back room. And there have been a slew of examples of, of these 49ers offenses when Mike Daniel was there, where when they were at their peak, 
they had several players who could tote the ball at a fairly high clip. I think right now you have two for the Dolphins in the running game. Dalvin Cook would be the third. He would probably have a majority share, but man, oh man, what that could potentially do to put Raheem Mostert in the mix as the change of pace, who's capable on third downs, and Jeff Wilson is a potential power runner. Uh, I, I do think that that would make a very black and white cut and dry. The Dolphins are better here than what they were before. Whether or not this thing gets done or not, I think it would all be post-June 1. Uh, I don't think there's any urgency or reason for the Dolphins to make this move prior to June 1st. The Vikings aren't really motivated to move him before June 1st. Will he be cut? That's the mystery. If he's not going to be cut, Miami might want to think about parting with a late-round draft pick. If, If he is going to be cut, let him go through that process. I would take the Dolphins' chances over anybody's for Dalvin Cook on the open market. But we're not there yet. So you want to look at the running back room and say, okay, it's break-even from last year. It's not better, and the running game wasn't good. I understand that. And I wouldn't disagree with you. Now, there is an offensive line discussion to be had there, and we'll talk about that when we get to the offensive line. But the rest of the supporting cast, you'd say tight end. Well, you lost the 52 targets you gave to Mike Gusecki last year, in which case I would say... Oh, well, I really don't care. (laughs) Um, You brought in Eric Saubert. You extended a player that you had last year in Durham Smythe. Hunter Long is gone. Hunter Long was swimming uphill to get playing time for this team this past year. It really is first two years regardless. So I don't know that he's a tangible loss. It's it's trading Mike Gusecki for Eric Saubert and your sixth-round pick in Elijah Higgins, who I think will make this football team. And then, obviously, the developmental upside of Tanner Connor. Tanner Connor was here last year. He'll be a better version of himself because he had an offseason and is developing as a player. But you're tra- effectively trading out Kaseki for Eric Saubert, and I do think that's a better fit within the offense. You're not totally compromising the vertical receiving ability. He's a better blocker than Mike Kaseki. I think he, he's a better fit. Whether or not he's a better player, I think that's a discussion to be had, but sometimes being the better player means being a better fit. And I do think the Dolphins' tight end room, while I would still like to get a really, really good inline tight end to uh, just a primary run blocker, while I'd like to get that player on the roster, I do think the tight end room is better than what it was last year with Mike Gusecki, just because Mike Gusecki was such an outlier from a skill set perspective. He's effectively a wide receiver. And because he's high-hipped and long and lean and very graceful with long strides, he's not very explosive in short-yarded situations. He's not very explosive with the ball in his hands. He hardly ever breaks tackles. He's not physical in trying to block in space. He can't mirror and, and, and flatten against safeties and, or, or linebackers to pin down and get a good seal. You're better in that regard, so I do think you're better there. Uh, as far as wide receivers... Hill and Waddle, I'm not trying to upgrade on Hill and Waddle. They're the identity of the team, right? From a targets perspective, they had 287 targets last year. If they don't have 287 targets this year, I'll be upset. But what you do around it is the big mystery because I would ask you this. Who is the only other player on the Dolphins roster last year who received more than 20 targets as a wide receiver? We're not including Mike Gusecki. So he got 52. 
Trent Sherfield is the only other wide receiver on this team that got more than 18 targets for the entire season. Think about that. Trent Sherfield is the only other wide receiver to get more than one target a game average across 18 games this season. You do need to have more balance, the ability to be more balanced for when teams choose to play you like how the Chargers played you, where they're going to play up in your face on Waddle and Hill, and they're going to put somebody behind it so that they're protected, and they're either going to play man with somebody over the top, or they are going to bracket those two receivers. Who else can win in one-on-one situations? And that is where, in my mind, the Dolphins' receiver room is better than what it was last year. Braxton Berrios, your shifty slot guy last year was River Craycraft. And River Craycraft finished the year with 14 targets, 9 catches, 102 yards, and 2 touchdowns. You have a better version of that player in Braxton Berrios. You're upgraded in the slot. Who is your other down-the-field player? Who is your other vertical threat besides Hill and Waddle if you want to play them off of each other in shallow spaces? Right now, it's Chosen Anderson. It might end up being Eric Azucama. Who was that player last year? Did you have that player last year? Was it Cedric Wilson? Cedric Wilson got 18 targets. Was it Braylon Sanders at the end of the year who misplayed a ball against the Bills in Buffalo in Week 15? That would have been a touchdown if he didn't come back to try to play defense on the safety, but the ball was thrown up over top of his head with good touch. I don't know. But I know you have that player now in Chosen Anderson, assuming it is Chosen Anderson, and that will give you more potential to free Hill and Waddle off of each other, both underneath simultaneously, and still have a vertical stretch component of your offense. That is an important addition. So again, I think it's it's less about improving on the pillars now, which is a little different than what years past have been for the Dolphins because they haven't had pillars in the passing game, right? Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki in 2019 with Preston Williams, like those are your hallmark pieces in the passing game. And now very suddenly you're, you're playing a different game because you've maxed out that component with Hill and Waddle. I mean, it's one of the best, if not the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. You don't just get better off of that. Where you get better is filling in the blanks and making sure it's more evenly paved and you have more different ways to attack offenses and feel like you have winners. I think they did that with bringing in these peripheral pieces to complement what they currently have on the roster. Now, what that ultimately means for a couple of these young players like River Raycraft and, and Eric Ezukama, we'll see. Uh, but I also think the potential of, of Tanner Connor and Elijah Higgins as the big physical crack lineback, crack down on linebackers in the run game type of player who can also simultaneously run and create with the ball in their hands gives you more balance in that role versus Trent Sherfield, who obviously had the long cu- touchdown catch against the 49ers, his former team. But if we're being honest, that was 75 yards. Trent had 417. Uh, I really don't want to have to do the math on this, but that's four. 
It's like one-sixth of his receiving yards for the season came on that catch and run from Trent Sherfield for the 75-yard touchdown run against the San Francisco 49ers. So I do think the peripheral components of the Dolphins' passing offense are better. It gives you more ways to win. It gives you more confidence that if you're going to overcommit to stop Hill and Waddle, you've got guys that can chew you up elsewhere. So I think you're better there. I think the running back right, room right now is a push. I think a lot of the quarterback room improvements are intangibles. They're not tangible improvements. What about the offensive line? That's where we're finishing today here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. From an offensive line perspective, I think the best thing that I could put on this right now is health. You're going to have fully healthy Liam Meikenberg. You're going to have fully healthy Austin Jackson. How much of an improvement is that over what you had last year? I don't feel great about it. You're going to have fully healthy Tron Armstead. He'll be healed from playing throughout injuries as an absolute warrior this past year. So you'll get a better version of him to start the year. Whether or not you get a better version for 17 games is a different story. Connor Williams and Robert Hunt still being pillars. From an intangibles perspective, you could say, well, we are technically bringing back the same starting five. Okay, I don't know that I get the warm and fuzzies about that, but if that's a sale, sale point that you want to have, I can, I can hear you out on that. The key for Miami, in my mind, is one player. Go out and get a tackle, a starting caliber tackle. I'm not saying he has to blow Austin Jackson out of the water. I'm saying if you want to go out and sign a player on a one-year deal and put him in a true competition at right tackle and let the best player win, go for it. I'd be willing to bet it won't be 73. But if that's the path that you want to take, somebody who is at least a quality depth option with physical talent, that gives you flexibility to say, if Austin beats him out, okay, now we've got a quality swing tackle to play behind Teron Armstead if we need it. If Austin doesn't beat him out, okay, you can take Austin Jackson, Liam Eikenberg, Robert Jones, Dan Feeney, put all those dudes in competition this summer and let the best man win at left guard. And the worst case scenario is you know full well you're going to have two players that are not starting, so your O-line six and O-line seven can play guard and tackle. Or if Dan Feeney is one of the backups, can play center and guard. You need one player that raises the floor of the play at right tackle. And I think the domino effect through the entire unit, with Frank Smith still being uh, present, hopefully with Mike McDaniel bringing in Butch Berry being somebody who, with familiarity and how they've done things in the past, uh, can handle that room self-sufficiently is a hope and a goal. And hopes and goals don't win you games. Results do. So the result that I am looking for the offensive line is you, you tangibly need to upgrade that the floor of the right tackle spot. So you got to go get somebody worth your while. This can't be a cheapie. And they weren't cheap with Dan Feeney either. And that's not lost on me. He got over $3 million this year. And from the same intangible perspective of the quarterback room and the backup quarterback position with Mike White, Dan Feeney is a center guard, versatile, flex offensive lineman with familiarity in the system. I'm not saying that's going to raise the floor of the play, but I'd like his chances to beat out Liam 
based off of the way Eichenberg played last year. Now they seem to feel like Eichenberg was ready to turn a corner. Just don't put all your eggs in that basket. Hedge. Give yourself an opportunity. Give yourself a pivot. Don't be married to your priors. So in total, I don't think that the talent upgrades of the Dolphins' offense this year are moving heaven and earth. I don't think this is necessarily uh, a monumental leap in the talent that the Dolphins have, but that's okay because this was an offense that, in spite of missing Tua Tagovailoa for as long as they did, was 6th in yards in the NFL and 11th in scoring offense. And with Tua Tagovailoa, I promise you, they just scored probably 425... They scored 397 in the regular season total. They just scored 425. They just scored 440. That would have been a top five scoring season in the history of the Dolphins franchise. Now, it didn't happen, so it doesn't count, and that's fine. But even then, 397 this year, that's sixth highest scoring offense in the history of the Dolphins franchise. There's been five seasons in which the Dolphins have played a regular season and scored more points than they did last year. The most recent one was 2020 with Chan Gailey, Ryan Fitzpatrick. They scored 404, and that was 15th in scoring offense in the NFL. This year's was 11th. So, great. The pillars are in place for a top 10 offense in the NFL. Now you've complemented it better with better familiar pieces, better pieces in the peripherals, winning in the margins, right? The Dolphins' offense is the Dolphins' offense. It's Tonga Valo, it's Tyreek Hill, it's Jalen Waddle, it's Mike McDaniel, it's Raheem Mostert. Those are the pillars. Now, one of those pillars might end up getting an upgrade in Dalvin Cook. But winning at this level, once you've reached a certain height, comes from winning in the margins. And we talked about that earlier this week with the Philadelphia Eagles and finding ways in the draft to win in margins. One of the ways the Dolphins have been winning in the margins has been having success with UDFAs over the last two years. Winning in the margins in the offseason with the pillars of this team being what they are is what's going to make the difference. Now, I would love for you to go out and upgrade at right tackle. If you had a first-round pick, you probably could have done that. For a varying degree of reasons, the Dolphins didn't have a first-round pick. It is what it is. So now you just got to win through the margins and have the intangible components that should not be overlooked, even though you can't see them. I think they hold some weight for this Dolphins team. That's where I think the Dolphins' offense is better this year. We're going to do the defense on Monday, and that uh, has a lot more tangible results of areas in which I, I think this team is better than what it was, was last year. And there's some quotes from players on the team that came out this week that I think would certainly reinforce that as well. So make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. It's your team every day. Shout out to our everydayers who keep it locked in with us here on Locked on Dolphins, here on the Locked on Network. I'm Kyle Krabs. Hope to talk to you all again soon. Peace.